Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell. The King of DC Media. Good evening, my magnificent listeners. On a cold November night, this is William Powell, the King of DC Media. That cool cat who knows where it's at, internationally known, nationally recognized, and locally appreciated. Welcome into the Excitement Zone as I interview director Michael Marino, whose new action film is entitled Acceleration. Now, Michael is an award-winning producer, director, and writer who hails from Washington, D.C., and since 2003... He has directed the action film The Deal. He has directed films such as the horror flick The Milkman and the thriller 502. He won Best Director and Writer for The Haunting of Pearson Place. Now, Acceleration, uh, it opened in uh, select theaters and on-demand digital high def uh, back in uh, November 8th. And it's going to be available actually December 17th. So if you go out to barnesandnoble.com or target.com or walmart.com, it also had a premiere out there in L.A. on uh, November 5th. Stars Dolph Lundgren, Sean Patrick Flannery, Natalie Burns, Chuck Liddell, Quentin Rampage Jackson, and Danny Trejo. Uh, the story follows uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, Vladik Zorich, a crime lord whose tentacles permeate the underbelly of a seedy Los Angeles as he deals in guns, gambling, drugs, and skin trafficking. And he finds himself double-crossed by his most trusted operative, Rona Zayaki, that's uh, played by uh, the producer, actually, uh, Natalie Byrne, and Vladik's propensity for power control and violence drives him to kidnap Rona's young son, forcing Rona to participate in a planned elimination of Vladik's enemies and identity. So I see that uh, Michael is on the line. I'm going to go ahead and bring him on the air. Good evening, Michael. Hey, William. How are you, man? Man, I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. You got to tell me about this uh, premiere that you had for the movie. What do you want to know? Yeah, yeah. So at that premiere, man, uh, you know, you had it out there in L.A. And, uh, you know, uh, talk a little bit about your uh, the audience uh, reaction and uh, some of the uh, people that showed up and what you felt about it. Well, the premiere, we had it uh, a couple weeks ago, like you said, and we had it here in Santa Monica. We had a pretty good – we had a full house, sold out. Uh, the cast and crew were there, most of them. Some of them couldn't be there because they were working. Uh, but it went really, really well. We had a great time, a lot of press, a lot of media. We basically, you know, everybody was happy with it. Turned out really, really well. I mean, the film was, uh, it was a tough shoot, but we got it done. But everybody was really happy with it. It's a fun movie, and it gets the job done. That's good. That's so, good. So you said it was a, a tough uh, tough shoot. So, uh, what were some of the challenges working with all those stars? Well, mainly the, the real problem is, you know, you're working uh, at night. 
So this was all a night shoot. The whole thing was a night shoot. And night shoots are really tough because, uh, you know, people get tired fast. Everything takes twice as long. Uh, it, it just takes time. And you have to be, you have to move really quickly on these, these films because the budgets are not huge, but they're not small either. And, you know, a lot of that money goes to the top billing people. So you're getting a lot of, uh, you got a lot of personalities on this set. So everybody's got to be wrangled in and, you know, as long as everybody's on the same page and as a director, you got to keep them kind of moving forward. It's like crossing the ocean. I promise you there's something on the other side. We'll get there. So you can get a little, it can get a little hectic sometimes, but it was fun. Yeah. So, uh, now you had this, uh, co-director, uh, Daniel Zerilli. So, uh, yeah, talk about yeah. how you, yeah. How do you, how do you divide it up your, your duties? Daniel came on to do all the fight scenes. He's a uh, he's a kung fu guy. So basically what we needed to do was because our schedule was short, we decided to go ahead and split the the uh, script up for to dramatic scenes, you know, narrative scenes and then fight scenes. So Daniel we we would shoot with two units and then Daniel would take over the fight scenes while I'm shooting the other stuff. And that's pretty much, you know, across the board how it went. Sometimes we would cross over a little bit. I'd do the gunfight scenes, and he would do some of the drama. But I'd say it's about, you know, most of the time it was that way. And we just – it helped us get the thing done probably about 75% faster. Well, 50% faster. So it, it, it really does help sometimes to have two directors, and we really – we got along really, really well. We synced, and that always helps. That's great. That's great. So uh, talk about uh, how you actually met the female lead and producer, uh, Natalie Byrne. How I, let her, how I met her? Yeah. The, um, Natalie, I met Natalie probably three years ago. I reached out to her for a different project. I thought she would be uh, good for it, and we talked about it. And it just never, it never came to be, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you have to put together and it just, it just didn't happen, you know? So, uh, you know, time goes by and, and I was working on acceleration. I'd written the script and I reached back out to her again and she had done some action films in between our first meeting and acceleration. And I said, Hey, would you be interested in playing this role? that's very much like a badass, kind of like collateral Tom Cruise, you know, Michael Mann, but you're obviously going to play it in a different way. And she said, let me read it. And she got back to me pretty quickly and said, I love this. Let's do it. And that was pretty much it. You know, it was, it happened very, very quickly. You know, sometimes these things take forever, but this one actually happened really fast. Hmm. And uh, talk about your fantastic uh, cast. I mean, you've got Danny Trejo, and then you've got uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, Sean Patrick Flannery's been in the in the business for a while. I mean, he played young Indiana yeah. Jones. So how did yeah. you how did you go about casting the film? Um, a lot of that was Natalie. She basically had worked with a lot of these people before, and so she just reached out to them and said, "Hey, would you guys like to come on board this project?" And you know, she and I would talk about it, and she would basically tell me, "Hey, who do you think this guy would be?" good for and I said I like him for this role I like this guy for that role I like this girl for that role and then of course part of it is also you have to acknowledge the uh, the business side of it for distribution for the buyers for the uh, executive producers what they're looking for 
and you know you have to you have to say you know you need so many names in a movie now to sell it out there in the world and so there's a lot of other things that are, you know have to come to play you don't just go hey i want to put sean patrick Flynn in my movie well he has to come in because there's a value to that and you know he's also good for the part so it's 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 a tiered thing now it's not just you're a good actor you got to be a little more than that you got to have without sounding too cold about it you got to have a bit of a commodity to you a little value and they were great. I mean, I got honestly every single one of them was fantastic. Sean really, really eats this movie alive. He's he's just having a great time. Uh, Dolph is just Dolph Lundgren. I mean, he's the nicest guy in the world and smart and has a lot of great ideas. He's a director himself, so you know the collaboration there is always easy. Chuck is probably one of the sweetest people you ever meet. You wouldn't think, but he's just nice and sweet and quiet and just kind of does his thing. Uh, Quentin's funny. He's a funny guy. He's he's always cracking up. And then Danny Trejo is also a very sweet, sweet guy. Really, really interesting guy. A lot of cool stories. So they're all really, we're very lucky. They're all very nice guys. Uh, no divas, no attitudes, nothing. And Natalie is, is fantastic in the movie. I mean, her fight scenes are unbelievable. What she does with her body is unbelievable. I just, it hurt just watching her do her work. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of martial arts in the, in the film. So talk about some of your special effects. Well, effects-wise, it was all practical. So we didn't really we didn't really do anything, you know, on set. But then in post, you know, they added a lot of um, a lot of digital effects that you know kind of give the film a little more velocity. Uh, the opening credits are pretty cool. Uh, obviously, we can't because it's L.A. Uh, they're really, really particular about live gunfire, even if it's blanks and you know fake guns. So we had to use digital CGI for all that because um, it gets very, very expensive to to get an actual gun, fire blanks at two in the morning in downtown LA is not a good idea. So you just uh, you just gotta work around that and you put it in post and it's faster, it's safer, and you know it works. So you know that stuff I'm really happy with. And the, the opening credits are really good. We had a great uh, post house that did that. Um, but for the most part, it's all pretty practical. I use a lot of fog in my stuff because I like fog. So we had a lot of fog blowing around. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you shot at night. And uh, so I guess the thing there, that, that would make things easier for uh, – far as dealing with uh, permits and, uh, you know, you have like, people hanging around and all this kind of thing. Did, did it also, was it also, a, uh, did, it, did it save you money? Not really. I mean, you know, whether you shoot at two in the morning or two in the afternoon, the permits are the permits. Um, you know, there might be some cost savings here and there. Uh, but, you know, where we were filming anyway, there isn't really – very busy uh it's kind of an industrial area and so it does help to shoot at night because there are still going to be less people for sure you don't have to you know worry about blocking off certain streets and you know the money that you save there you just put it somewhere else so you end up spending the money somewhere you know you don't really ever pocket that money it goes someplace else it gets used every penny gets used if you leave money on the table you didn't uh you probably should have put it somewhere else, you know, it's not, not then in post. And so, you know, when we're shooting, I'm talking about downtown LA, I'm talking about the part of LA that, you know, is, it's pretty rough. You know, it's, it's a, it's a rough oh, part okay. of town. Yeah. 
So you, we had security, and you know, you you got to you got to be careful. It's not like the city, you know, where the uh, you know the, the the city hall is or anything like that. We're talking about really industrial down by the river, and you know, it's it can, you know, just you have to be careful, you know. So um, it was interesting. We we sometimes got extras without having to pay for them because they just kind of wandered through the set. You're like, okay, that works, you know. So it, it, you know, it's an interesting area. LA's got an interesting uh, downtown. Parts of it are incredibly beautiful, and other parts are pretty run down. Well, that's true. That's true of any city. So yeah, uh, I know that LA is uh, increasingly becoming more expensive to film in. Um, so how did that compare to? Other place, other locations. Like, I mean, there's other parts of California. There's other uh, parts on the West Coast. I mean, how, what's the advantages and disadvantages? Well, the advantages of shooting in LA, it's all going to be dictated by your budget. You know, whatever number you've got is is going to tell you where you should shoot. Generally, um, you know, when you shoot in LA, it's going to be union, and you're going to have to deal with all the union bylaws and rules if you get outside of la you might be able to get away with some non-union stuff but not likely because california is pretty strong about that and you know sag and most of the unions are really on top of it especially when you have name actors in the movie it's a high profile film and so you gotta you have to be very aware of that you know if you really really want to shoot a film let's say let's say the movie costs you know a million dollars and you want to shoot it somewhere non-union you're gonna have to leave california I mean, you could probably do it, but you got to be really careful and quiet about it. I wouldn't recommend it. It's mm. not a good idea, you know. And you're getting better people, honestly. You're, you spend the money. You're going to get actors that are more seasoned, more experienced. You're going to get crew. You don't have to explain things to. They know what they're doing. You know, you get what you pay for, just like anything else in life. And it's worth paying the extra money because you can shoot faster. You don't have to. You don't have to constantly handhold. And it's a, you know it's a completely different level of, of people you're dealing with. These are professionals. You know these are 30, 40 year professionals. You know they know what they're doing, and so you don't have to worry about it. So you're going to pay for it one way or the other. I mean if you're doing a non-union film somewhere, you know out of state in a place where they don't have a lot of seasoned crew and actors, you're going to have to pay for it in other ways: longer days, longer weeks, longer shoots, fixing it in post, whatever. That's not to say you can't find crews that aren't great, but you know. The crew base here is really strong, and so is the acting pool, obviously. So you're almost better off just doing the union thing if you can, if you can afford it. You know, if you can't, I mean, I've done both. You know that. So it just depends on the project. It depends how much money you got. Like anything else, man, whatever you got, whatever your budget is, use it. Yep, you can't leave money on the table. So we got to talk about distribution. So you got a pretty good right. deal here, uh, Michael. You got uh... – what is this, Barnes & Noble, you got Target, you got Walmart. Um, so talk about Redbox. how you were able to uh, – yeah, Redbox. Yeah. So how did that, How did you get that going? Eventually Netflix. Um, that is actually the distributor. They're the ones who handle all that. So their ability to get our film into those places is more based on the relationships they have with them. So they, because they have the relationships with them, they're, you know, the road is a little easier for them. You know, we have to hit certain markers, like the film has to have certain things in it, in order for those places to take it. You know, it can't just be a movie really? you shot in your backyard. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's quality control issues. 
there's actors, you know, the actors have to be of certain value. Um, that doesn't mean that other films don't sneak in there and don't get by there. I mean, you're going to see some things in Redbox with no name actors in it, but you know, you have a different relationship with them. So what made it easier for us to get more stuff is because our distributors and our producers know those people and it happened a lot quicker because a lot of people take years to get into Redbox or years to get on, you know, Netflix. And because they, they've worked with these people before, it makes it a little easier. So it really comes down to a lot. A lot comes down to two things. It comes down to the relationships they've developed over the years and also the quality of the film and who's in it, you know? So it makes a big difference because, you know, people like Danny Trejo, people like Dolph Lundgren, people like, uh, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery or, you know, Quentin. So they know people will rent those movies or buy those movies. And that's why they say, yeah, we'll put it in our store. We'll put it in our, uh, our video box. We'll put it on HBO because people like those people and they know them. They're known entities. So that really makes a difference. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's interesting that, that, that uh, working with a, Distributor was good for you, but I've heard it said that. Uh, I guess it, I guess it depends on the type of filmmaker you are. I've heard people say you should never give your money to a distributor. I mean, I'm sorry, a, your film to a distributor. Well, somebody's got to put it out there for you. I mean, there's just no other way around it. You know, you can you can put it on Amazon, or you can put it out there yourself. But I don't know. If, you see, I would tell a filmmaker you have to make a decision: Are you in the filmmaking business or the distribution business? Because you really can't be in both. And it's tough to be in both. It takes a lot of work. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the distribution process takes forever. I mean, it is a lot of work to get your film to a distributor. I mean, we're talking three inches worth of paperwork, you know? And so it's like, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Cause you know, this is international too. And every territory has different requirements. So there's not, there's not a uniform uh, requirement across the world. So it, it you know, your film, has to meet the standards in order for it to be on TV. Cause like a film like this will probably end up on television in, in parts of the Eastern Europe. It won't like be at a red box because it'll be sold to the ancillary rights like television, you know? So they have certain requirements they need. So, you, you know, if you want to be a filmmaker and you're worried about giving your film to a distributor, I mean, if you want to be a distributor, that, that's a lot of work. That's another couple of years or another year of your life. That's up to you. Mm. I wouldn't recommend it. I've seen, I've seen producers go through it and it's, it's 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 its own kind of personal hell in its own way. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, filmmaking is so with so many moving parts to filmmaking. It's it's really really challenging. So yeah, it's so like a it's like a that, jet, you know. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's fast yeah. moving. There's a lot yeah. of parts. Fast moving. A lot of parts, folks. So now. I know you've learned a lot over the years about the business side of the business. Uh, what are some lessons you learned from this film? Um, from acceleration, well, I think the main thing you take away, I took away, was you don't always get to make the movie you want to make. You know, I wrote the script, and so the original script was a, quite a bit different than what we ended up making, and we, I had to learn how to sort of. Collaborate. I had to learn how to collaborate with the producers in order to get the film made. I would say if you were to watch the movie, it's about 75% of what I wrote. And then 25% is what we needed to put in there to get the film made. So you have to learn to collaborate. It's not compromising, it's collaboration. And the people that are 
helping you do that. At first, you sort of, you know, you're resistant to it because it's your baby. You wrote it. But you, then you understand that they know the business that they're putting. The, they know where this film is going to go. They understand where it needs to be. And you have to learn to trust them. And it's not easy. It's not always fun. But in the end, you realize, well, they're right, you know, because they've been doing this longer than you have, or at least they know more about it. And so you have to learn to collaborate. And I mean, not that I haven't collaborated before, but, you know, when I tell, I've talked to some people who write screenplays and I say, look, write three or four drafts because they're going to change everything anyway. You might as well just get that in your head right now. You know, the actors have points of view, the agents have points of view, the distributors have points of view. Everybody has to put their thumbprint on it. And that can be good and that can be bad. You just have to make that decision as to what you feel comfortable with doing. If you're going to, be one of those people who's like, I only make films the way I want to make them, then you're going to constantly make them, and who knows how far they're going to go. So, you know, you got to learn to collaborate. That's the big thing I took from this. And not take it personally, you know? Michael, I got to tell you, man, that's a big thing in every level. I, I, le- I learned it many years ago, and I've, I've run into people who never sure. learn it, about it, it all comes down to ego. It all comes. Sometimes you'll write something, and what they come, you come up with on set collaboratively can be a thousand times better than what you wrote. Another thing you said Absolutely. about uh, uh, people who are more experienced than you are—that's the thing I've run into a lot. I think a lot of people on you know who are listening to us can attribute to this, can attest to this that you know that you know the people that are more experienced to you listen to them because. I mean, they they've got they've got that experience, and you've got to be able to put your ego aside and 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 realize that by taking what they're telling you, that's going to make a better product. Yeah, I mean, you have to make a decision too. It's like I, I know people who've been working on scripts for ten years and ideas for ten years, and nothing's really come of it. Right. Mainly because they're being stubborn, and so you, you know, you you have to decide: do you want to make movies or do you want to talk about making movies? It's just that that's the only difference right there. And, you know, nothing is, they're not trying to be personal. It's not a personal thing. It's like when your parents try to tell you things, you're like, they're not telling you something because they think you're an idiot. They're telling you because they've been on this planet longer than you and they've made those mistakes. So these people are trying to actually help you and, and help themselves. That's part of their job. You know, they need to make a living to make money too. So, Right. I mean, we're making an action film. You're not making, you know, we're not making some sort of documentary about something serious. It's an action film. It's entertainment, you know? And so you, you want to be smart about it and, you know, you, you build off of that. And, you know, I, you know, collaboration has always been something I'm, I've always considered myself pretty good at. But the thing is when you start getting stuff that comes out of left field, you think, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then later you, you start seeing why they're telling you this. And so you have to keep an open mind. And, you know, a lot of people get worked up about, especially in, you know, anybody outside of L.A., you know, for the most part, uh, probably thinks, well, I'm making my movie the way I want to make it. I'm like, yeah, you can. You can. But you got to decide if you want to just make that one movie and never make another one again or just keep making the same kind of movies over and over again. That's what you're going to get, the same kind of movie. I didn't edit this movie. First time I've had an editor. And it's much better experience, you know. And he came up with things I wouldn't have thought of. So there you go. You know, little That's things the like thing. that. No matter how, <clears throat> no matter how good you are, there's always somebody even better. Which is 
Yeah, it's it could be like better, surprising, but, just, but it could be liberating. What you <laughs> go ahead. Oh, it's great. It's great. I was gonna say it's great. I mean, I'm not stuck. You know, I make the movie, then I'm stuck editing it for, for six months. You know, you get you start getting burned out. It's better to bring an editor come in and then just go check on it every three days and sit with them for about five hours and just kind of polish it up and say, yeah, this is what we're looking at. And you can look at it with fresh eyes, and you've got an editor who's been doing this for 25 years who knows what he's doing. He's also a director, you know, and he knows half the cast because he's worked with them. So, you know, you, you, you get that kind of thing going, and you start to understand what you're dealing with, you know. And so it's really – it's a collaborative art form, and people who want to be auteurs or, you know, self-made guys, you know, that's – or gals, you know, that's a great idea, but – you know, you've got – we had close to – you know, we had a crew of 75, and we had a cast of 45. So that's over 100 people that I'm dealing with, you know. So you are – you have to listen to these people. It was always a good idea coming from someplace. I mean, as a matter of fact, our PA, one of our PAs gave, suggested something to me, and it was a great idea, and we used it. You know, there it is. So you should, yeah. you know, be, keep your eyes open to what I always Right, exactly. So, uh, so talk about some of your future films. I know you've got the the black, what is this, Black Mist Group, and other things like this. Uh, what are some other <clears> films <throat> yeah, you're going to yeah, be I've looking at making? Um, right now, I've got a couple things in the hopper, as they say. Uh, black Mist Group is something we're going to start shooting, hopefully in late spring, early, or, you know, early spring, you know, probably late late winter. Um, it's an it's an action film, but it's more like a, a Jason Bourne type thing. So that's that's something that I'm looking forward to. We've already got distribution for that, which is nice. That that makes it easier. Uh, I've got another action film that we're supposed to start shooting in January, but that's kind of kicking around a little bit. There's some you know issues with locations that's trying to work out. Um, but that's about it right now. You know, I've got some long term stuff coming up hopefully at the end of next year and then the beginning of 20, 2021. So that's where that's, I'm pretty, I'm pretty booked for the next 18 months. It looks like. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, Michael. So uh, we're just about at the end of the interview here. Um, yeah. So I'm going to throw out a, cut a my hypothetical question. So like, uh, what's this now? I said, don't forget, I cut my teeth in D.C. That's where I learned my craft. Oh, yeah, you cut, <laughs> yeah, you cut your, your teeth in D.C., that's right. So, um, yeah, so if you had to mentor a young filmmaker, and right. they're, they've maybe, maybe made a couple filmmaker films, and they've, they're familiar with the festival circuit, and they want to move past that, what are some pointers you would give them? Well, uh, I'd ask them to be more specific. Like, what are they after? You know, if if they want to make their next movie and kind of get away from the festival circuit, or if they just want to make their next movie, I'd say the one thing, William, honestly, it comes down to: don't chase actors, chase the money. Chase the money, yeah. chase the money, people. Spend your energy. Everybody's like, oh, you got to get a name actor, got to get a name actor. Of course, but until you have the money, it doesn't matter. And you also have to learn right. what a name actor is. Just because somebody's famous doesn't mean they're a name actor from a financial standpoint. So being famous does not make you a financially viable actor. You have to 
you have to find an actor who's financially viable in the genre that you're working in. And you have to know what their value is. And, they, and you have to figure that out somehow. There's a lot of ways to do it, which is a little more complicated than just you know talking about it now. But you also need to chase the money. You've got to find that first investor who's going to put in that first equity, that, that amount of money to get that actor locked in. If you get that actor locked into your project, then you can build off of that. Instead of chasing actors, oh, I've got this guy, he's famous, and you know, he was a big star on TV 10 years ago. Doesn't mean anything. Or he's a big star on TV today. May not mean anything either. And without the money, because your agents are going to be like, well, do you have the money? No. Well, get back to us when you have the money. So chase the money. I would tell them, chase the money. Always go after the money. And once you got that, you're good. You know, you know when you said financially valuable, that made me think. It's almost like if you if you hear a name, you immediately it's like a word association. Danny Trejo, action. Dolph Lundgren, action. You know Chuck Liddell. You know MMA. You know martial arts. It's almost like a one word association. Is that is that what you mean by financially viable? Yeah, that's part of it. And each one of those guys has a different you know value in different parts of the country yeah. and the world. So depending exactly. how you put this together, and there's so many different ways to put a movie together. I mean, you can just do one guy who invests everything, or you can just sell it off and you know piecemeal it. But you know that's why the, the chasing the money is much more important than chasing the actor. You know, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to meet a famous actor, you know, through friends or whatever, and that doesn't necessarily help you. You have to find the money because uh, you know Dolph Lundgren. I was talking to him. Two years ago, three years ago, but his, his agents were like, "Look, you got to get the money. You got to put a deposit down. You got to show us that you're real, so that we know he's going to, you know, block off that time to go work for you guys. And they get to keep that money, by the way. If you don't think the film, they keep it. So you better be prepared for that. <laughs> we can have to well, because they schedule, they schedule, they schedule, yeah, they schedule. Yeah, they schedule that time huh? to work for you, and if it doesn't work out, then they're like, "Well, I didn't oh, take yeah. those jobs," you know. Woo. So, right, yeah, yeah, there you go. So, mm. it's just a, you know, you and it, and it gets rid of the people who are just not, you know, who are just talking, you know, talking. So yeah, you got to raise, you know, if, But I would also tell somebody, you know, again, it depends on who we're dealing with here. If you're talking to somebody who wants to make a movie for like, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, your movie better be the right kind of movie for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Don't go make a war picture for yeah. two fifty. Don't go make an action picture for two fifty. Uh, you know, don't go make a, a, right. a gangster film for two fifty. It might look cool, and might you guys yeah. will have a premiere, and it'll be fun. Everybody shows up, but after that, you just threw a hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand dollars away. You know, make the mo- make the money account for the movie and the movie account for the money because a lot of people make i've seen more movies that they spend five hundred thousand on and you're like yeah but there's not a name in it the effects are horrible it looks like they make it in the woods behind their house you know i see guys who make these movies who are like uh, you know some sort of game of thrones knockoff or something like that without a name you know there's i mean yeah there's a market out there but just don't spend too much money on it man because it's tough you got to keep your money and your your uh, genre Kind of in the same world, you know. Like we didn't try to make John. <laughs> right, I gotta ask you yeah. this now. Fred the Hammer Williamson, he, he's been in the business for many years. He said that uh, if you spend ten thousand dollars on the film, he said no one will ever see it. 
You said if you have ten thousand dollars, put another ten thousand with it, and then make a a trailer, and then use that to to raise funds. So what, what do you think about that? Well, if you spend ten thousand dollars on a film, and you or no, so you're saying if you, you spend the money on a on a good trailer, is that what you're saying? I'm not you're sure. I could, if, I if you have ten thousand, if you're saying if you have ten. Ten thousand, put another ten thousand with it. Get get like you know twenty thirty and make a uh, trailer and then try to raise money based on a trailer. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're going. At. Okay, yeah, I mean you could do that, but that's also a risk. You know, I mean you could just say, all right, if I can raise thirty, why can't I raise sixty? If I can raise sixty, why can't I raise a hundred? See, you're an independent filmmaker. You, you don't, you're not on a schedule. Nobody's telling you you have to have the film done by a certain. Like we had to have this film done by a certain date. So it could meet the release dates, but when you're independent, you can take a, a year to raise that money and raise a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars, and then bring in a name actor for three days, two days, and pay him seventy-five thousand bucks, and then make your movie around that. Because there's nobody stopping you from taking your time to, to make the movie. The problem is just don't take ten years to make it. You know, I would I would say take that thirty thousand dollars and start raising more money and build off of that because if you can raise 30 why can't you raise 60 you're obviously capable of it um i've done it it's not easy but you can do it and then you get a sort of pseudo name actor in it and you know some people will see the film but you get your name out there people start knowing that you're you're real you know like hollywood hollywood doesn't work on uh it's not really complicated they don't they don't work on potential they work on what you did you know, they don't oh, go, right. oh, this guy made a really great – yeah, it doesn't matter what, yeah. you, what, do, what you, you think you now? can do. Well, it doesn't matter what you – it's like, okay, you made a movie – you made a bunch of movies, okay, but what what happened with those movies, you know? So, so you got to get them out there. But uh, I'm not – yeah, yeah, pretty much, but also they can be, you know, very critically acclaimed too. I mean there's there's so – the thing is, William, there's so many different ways to go, man. I mean there's no right, there's no wrong. I'm just – you know, my experience is like just the the answer really is just change, chase the money, you know, and uh, find guys who are willing to put money into a movie, you know, whether it's 100,000, 50,000 and work with the money you got and make sure your story is appropriate to that budget. You know, don't make a, a $50,000 World War II movie, make a $50,000 horror film that takes place in one place. So be realistic about what you got. And don't hire your don't hire your friends to be actors. Hire actors. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna throw one more hypothetical out there, and we gotta go. Um, okay. Money man, money man. So mm-hmm. would you ask your doctor for? Would you ask your doctor for an investment in a movie, or your lawyer, or your? Who are these people who have all this money? Who 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 invests in money um, in movies, right? Um, you could do that, sure. What I would do, or what I have done, is you figure out what kind of movie you want to make. You figure out what kind of budget you need for that movie. So let's say you're going to make a horror film and you want to make it for fifty grand. And let's say you don't want to do some sort of social media thing. They don't want to raise it that way. What I would do is go find movies on IMDb. They're very very similar to yours. And look at the executive producers and call them and say, hey, 
I've got a project. Can I send you a lookbook? Something that you might get an idea of what we're working on. That's one way. Like let other people do the, do the legwork for you while you're looking for money from your doctor, your lawyer, your best friend. Always throw a wide net. You know, you should, you should, be, you should be hitting 20 different kinds of people, not 10, not 20 of the – don't hit 20 doctors. Hit 20 different kinds of people, you know, five lawyers, 15, you know, doctors, you know, bankers, your buddy down the street who owns a plumbing company, whatever. And, and say, so I'm trying to raise 100 grand, 50 grand to make this horror film. Would you be interested for five? That kind of thing. And, you know, look at movies that your movies kind of like and reach out to the executive producers and learn how to put together a, a lookbook, a budget, and a, and a business plan. And you send that stuff out, have it electronic so you can send it out in emails and you can email it to 30 people. And eventually, you know, you're going to get 99 no's, but you'll get a one event. One person will say yes. It'll happen. You just got to be persistent. That's the main thing, persistence. Be persistent. Man, that's it. Be persistent. Okay, Michael. Well, it's always a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, same here, man. It's good catching up with you. Uh, I'm glad to see things are going really well for you. Oh, yeah. Try to stay busy. (laughs) Yeah, stay out of trouble, man. Yeah, that's the plan. (laughs) Okay. All right, Michael, man. You have a great night. You too. Thanks again. Take care. Okay, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. All right, folks. As Michael said, uh, always be persistent, and uh, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Night. Under the dark, you pacify me. Hold my breath. Take me down, I won't fight Beat of my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my dance Makes a sound no one can find I never met anyone like you You're dead.